Hello and welcome to the Susquehanna County Conservation District's Conservation Corner. I'm Don Hibbard. And I'm Courtney Bronze. And each week we bring you conservation topics and events from around the Endless Mountains. Well, we're approaching the middle of August. I think that's the dog days of summer. And that means we're covering environmental news. So whether it means that it's local news or it's across the globe, we're covering it. So let's get right to it. So the first one is breaking news about toads and trees. Whoa. (laughs) So a citizen science project that was looking for dormice and bats found toads and trees. So this toad is a common toad. Um, We do have them here in Pennsylvania. The study actually took place in the UK, but same kind of toads we have here. And up until now, they were believed to be only terrestrial. And that means that they lived on the ground. So a group of volunteers that were taking part in the National Dormouse Monitoring Program and the Bat Tree Habitat Project in the UK found the toads in nest boxes and tree cavities. So the highest toads in the study were found three meters up in a tree. And like I mentioned before, common toads are mostly terrestrial. Um, They're found in the water during breeding season, but for the most part, they're found on land. So after breeding, they'll typically spend daytime periods um, under rocks or dead logs, and they emerge at night to ambush their prey. And because most of the surveys for toads are done in the breeding season, um, at this time they're typically congregated in wet areas, so scientists have never really looked on land or in trees. And so in their study, the researchers found almost 50 records of common toads in dormice nest boxes, tree cavities, and even an empty blackbird nest. Um, And of the 400 sites surveyed for dormice, 18 woodland sites had amphibians in the nest boxes. And on the 1,400 surveyed for bats, they found amphibians in 20 sites. That's pretty crazy. So I'm not good on my conversions of meters to feet. So I had to look up just what, uh, three meters you said, right? Yeah. So I looked that up and it's approximately nine feet. Um, So that's where they were found, which is pretty cool. I wouldn't think to find toads and trees. Yeah, you wouldn't think they'd be able to climb. But researchers, I guess, say that they use their fingers and toes to grip the tree, um, just like anything else climbing would. Cool. Um, Always thought they were just found in the gardens, but think again. Yeah, so researchers basically speculate that an arboreal niche might give toads a better chance to survive from predators and parasites um, when they're resting in the trees as opposed to on the ground. Yeah, you imagine that there's probably just as many insects in the trees as outside of the trees. Yeah, probably. So, um, They did highlight that further research is needed to better understand this, but I think it's something that they'll kind of focus on understanding better. So when you're standing under trees, don't forget to watch out for toads falling <laughs> from those trees. All right, so I got one. So it's called CSIRO or CISRO. Um, Their researchers actually identified 139 new species. CISRO stands for Commonwealth Scientific and Industrial Research Organization. And they're based out of Australia, but their focus is really worldwide. And like I said, they found and named 139 new species around the world. So I always think it's cool when um, we think we've explored all the reaches of the world and we end up still finding new species. So they've actually found a couple different things that I just want to mention. So they found a blind cave-dwelling weevil. Um, They found one of Australia's rarest butterflies. So um, 
there's very low numbers of this butterfly, um, but they still amazingly found it. Um, they found the first millipede to actually have more than a thousand legs, uh, 131 insects and other invertebrates, four fish, three plants, and a frog. Um, and the coolest thing I think I want to mention is they found an ant. I'm going to butcher the name because it's Latin right now. I didn't find a common name for it yet. So Anachromyra inclinata. I think that's how you say it. And it has this remarkable relationship with one of Australia's rarest and most striking butterflies. So here's what happens. Um, like taking children to a buffet, the ants actually carry the caterpillar in their jaws from their daytime hideaway underneath bark to fresh bull oak leaves. Um, and this protects them and lets them feed. So ants usually eat caterpillars, but this new species actually works as a babysitter. Um, and it's for the ants' efforts as well. So the caterpillar releases a sugary substance and the ants feed on this substance. So it's this neat little relationship um, and they've, they've kind of just grown in this situation where it's a mutualism. The ants are protecting the caterpillar uh, and in return the caterpillar's giving them this sugary food substance and provides that for them. So, I don't know, just nature is just crazy sometimes. And learning about um, how things are all balanced out in the ecosystem and who provides what for who, you get to see these little tiny niches. So Yeah, that is really cool. Yeah. So, we got, you know, 139 new species and then a closer look at some of those species and how they interact with one another. I love it. Speaking of things that are found, um, there's been the first widely accepted sighting of the ivory-billed woodpecker since 1944. So it's the third largest woodpecker in the world. Um, it's actually the largest north of Mexico. Um, so they say that the last one had been seen in the big woods of eastern Arkansas in 2004, but they were actually still determined to be extinct by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service last year. Um, and they were declared extinct after not having a widely accepted sighting. So they've been hunted for decades. Um, the woodpecker became understandably weary of people. Um, they avoided them by flying high into the trees. So, you know, living high at those treetops where you can't see them from the ground. Um, so though they once made old growth forests from the Ohio River Valley down into Florida and Cuba their home, um, their population shrunk in the 1800s due to hunting and habitat destruction. And a research team from the National Aviary and Project Principalis went on a years-long search for the woodpecker, and they used trail cams and drone videos and accumulated evidence from at least three other sightings. That's pretty exciting. I mean, if you've been following this story, I think um, the National Fish and Wildlife pretty much declared them extinct. Um, there's a, a small window of time for people to make comments and say, you know, we're pretty sure we still have one around. Um, so they snuck into that window of time. And so uh, National Fish and Wildlife ba has backed off and given them extra time, basically, to, to prove that there is a substantial population or a thriving population somewhere. Um, so that's pretty cool. And um, from what I read, you know, like those trail cams or however they captured the video or the pictures they're still not clear um so there's some discussion 
you know, about trying to find more clear pictures or video. Um, I think they captured some sound too, but still it's exciting because we had something that was on the verge of extinction and now, you know, it's taken a while to do this, but they found the evidence that they needed. So Yeah, and hopefully they're on the right track to being able to, you know, find them and reestablish them eventually. Yeah, yep. Need old growth forests for sure. Uh, that's where they, they live. Their population thrives. So, All right, well, so here's the last one. So Maryland will actually pay you to catch, kill, and report tagged northern snakeheads. So we talked about snakeheads, if you remember, back in May. Uh, they're an invasive species. They're fish species that actually showed up in Maryland. Um, that's where they first showed up quite a few years back. Um, so they become well-established, and uh, because they've become so well-established in Maryland, Maryland's instituted a new fish-for-cash program. So I'm, I'm interested in this one. Might take a trip down the, to Maryland, Let's do go. some fishing. Um, so the effort is to get more accurate count in northern snakeheads in the Chesapeake Bay. Maryland Department of Natural Resources actually teamed up with U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, we mentioned in the last news story, uh, and they launched a tagging program that incentivizes anglers to catch, kill, and report northern snakehead fish. Uh, the agency has long tried to repress the spread of invasive species. As we talked about many times on this show, it's really difficult to kind of slow down invasive species because they're, they're made to spread, basically. Um, the reproduction rate's higher they come into an area and they just take over. They eat all the food. Um, so uh, the agency is encouraging anglers to kill and keep every snakehead they catch. Um, the program differs a little bit from other state-run wildlife bounty programs in that anglers will only get paid for catching and reporting tagged snakeheads. So snakeheads are tagged. Um, here's how it works. So. Maryland Department of Natural Resources has partnered again, as I said, with U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. They placed blue or yellow tags on 500 northern snakeheads. Each tag snakehead caught and harvested until 2024 could earn the person who caught the snakehead a gift card for $10 or $200, and that depends on the tag. So in order to qualify after catching the fish, the fisherman or woman must call National Fish and Wildlife Service to report the tag number. You have to take a picture of the harvested and tagged fish. And remember, only northern snakeheads with tags will qualify for the gift cards. So you get the gift cards, but there's, you know, a couple minute issues you have to follow before you get that gift card. Um, so why snakeheads? Uh, if you remember back to that May episode, Northern snakeheads, they originally came, like I said, from Asia, um, all the way back in 2002. They're a predatory fish, so they also feed on native fish species and compete with them for food. Um, and fast forward to fully grown snakeheads, they don't have any major predators, so that really leads to a disruption of the native ecosystems. So let me finish by explaining just a little bit of the reason behind the program. You may be wondering why they even got released again, uh, which I kind of question. We just talked about that a little bit. Um, so their idea behind it is by measuring the amount of northern snakeheads harvested, uh, the agency thinks it will learn 
if the population benchmarks are reached and help control the spread of the species. Um, kind of alluded to this before in, in our last program we talked about it, but they are becoming um, more popular with the anglers. Uh, they put up a fish fight. You know, people, they enjoy them, enjoy catching them. Um, so a lot of agencies have actually backed off of, you know, really managing them. Um, so take as you will. You can go to Maryland and get yourself some gift cards if you catch the right fish. <laughs> so I think that uh, takes us to events. Yeah, so I have a couple events for you at Salt Springs State Park. Um, the first one is Saturday, August 20th. It's from 10 a.m. to noon. It's archery for beginners. Diane Hollyworth will be putting on a program based on the National Archery in Schools program. Makes it super easy for anyone to learn archery. Um, they provide the equipment. You just bring your focus and maybe someone else with you. Um, all ages are welcome and it's a great family activity. So the fee is $5 per person, $15 per family. And then on Sunday, August 21st at 1 p.m., they're having mushrooms and mycelia. So there'll be a short presentation on different types of mushroom and their mycelia. And then it'll be followed by a mushroom hunt to identify and photograph the forest gems. The fee is $5, $15 for families, and free for members. All right. I guess that does it for today's show. If you have any questions related to our shows, you can contact the Conservation District by calling 570 570- 782-2105. If you missed a portion of today's show, you can go to our website, www.suscondistrict.org, and you can find our Conservation Corner page with past episodes, links to information about past episodes, and a contact form where you can reach out and you can ask questions, or you can make comments about the show. You have been listening to the Susquehanna County Conservation District's Conservation Corner. I'm Courtney Bronze. And I'm Don Hibbert saying... Enjoy the outdoors. <laughs>